Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yaz is taking some well-deserved time off this week. I think he's gorge scrambling, but don't quote me on that. So I'm stepping into the hot seat. I'm Ben Gardner, and I'm joined by the estimable WCM pairing of magazine editor and editor-in-chief, Joe Harmon and Phil Walker, to discuss the IPL, Australia women's dominance, and to pour over the best young batsman in England. First of all, Phil. Yes, mate. Hello. Joffre Archer. He's a bit good, isn't he? (laughs) Uh, Bowl of the tournament. Well, technically, Rabada's the bowl of the tournament. He's taken 18 wickets. Uh, but Jofra is is in second place behind him and continues to to beguile really. Uh, he he bowled a spell against Delhi Capitals um, in quite a kind of clutch game really that that Delhi Delhi went and won and they're now top of the group. But he bowled a spell up top Jofra uh, against Rahane um, and Prithvi Shaw. Prithvi Shaw is one of the best young batsmen in the world, as we all know, um, and he he barely opened his eyes before his off stump was was cleaned up. First ball of the game, Archer does this. He's got a history of doing this. He doesn't bowl, he doesn't work himself into a spell, especially with the white ball. There was that first baller against Finch, for example, World Cup semi final. Mm. He's just on it. He, he can bowl with his eyes closed. Archer, it's so natural uh, and so elemental in the way that he does it. Uh, and and he can he can ramp it up, but he can bowl dry as well. He's broadly unhittable. Uh, you got Rahane out as well. I think his figures were something like two for five from this first two overs in the power play with a sixty-yard boundary against some of the best young best best players in India. Uh, he is, as Mark Wood described him to me the other day, he just said he's, he's just just the superstar of our cricket team. And you've got to bear in mind that Ben Stokes plays in that team as well and Joss Butler and one or two others. But he said he he is the superstar of the England cricket team. Uh, and you're seeing it. You're seeing it on that on that stage. He's also hitting at 
two runs per ball as well. He's got a strike rate north of 200. Yeah, so just a few stats on him in the IPL. Here we go, stat time. Currently has the highest batting strike rate of anyone in this IPL, as well as the best economy rate of any fast bowler, and that's bowling, as you say, at the power play, at the death. And he's uh, second on the wickets charts too. So that's pretty... And he's won himself an Xbox by getting out David Warner. Yeah, no, I saw that. It, it, can he work? Sam Curran kind of tried to do exactly the same thing. I don't know if that was fruitful well, or he probably didn't get Warner out. You can't do it after... He got Warner out, but you can't ask for the Xbox after you've got Warner out. That's that's not how it's done. You've got to say, yeah. who do I need to get out? And then they tell you who, and then you do it. That's how you pay for Xboxes these days for some reason. Yeah. Sure. Did, did you tap up Xbox before this show saying, you know, if, if you step into Yaz's shoes and pull it off then maybe <laughs> maybe they'll send you a console yeah if I, if I can flummox Phil I'll get an Xbox <laughs> what yeah anyway I was I was going to go back on Yaz because I still don't understand what he's actually doing but that's by the by um, that, that game yesterday did you see it Joe Delhi Rajasthan brilliant game I didn't game, see all brilliant. of it but I saw um, Archer's spell and I saw Stokes and, and Butler batting beautifully uh up against Nokia, that was a really good spell of cricket as well. That was kind of the IPL at its best for that for that little spell of cricket. We were putting a magazine together yesterday, weren't we? Actually mm, sending yeah. it to, to the press. So yeah, uh, we, we did have other things on our plate. I, it, it was on in the corner of my my front room, and you're right that that early spell, uh, that four over spell, was just an astonishing passage of cricket. And obviously they ham up everything out there, uh, and everything's great, and everything's the best, and everything's the the best it's ever been. And it can get quite tiresome when you're watching it. But at the end of that four-over spell, Nicholas, Mark Nicholas, who is given to hyperbole, as we know, he he just sort of sat back and said, we, we, we've just seen something pretty special here. And it was topped off by Ashwin, Ashwin's doosera to, to Steve Smith. Mm. And Smith was trying to turn it to the onside. You might have heard he's quite good at doing that. Uh, and he was just stuffed. He was stuffed by a brilliant piece of old old world cricket, really. Uh, Butler, meanwhile, was ramping Norquio, who was bowling 156 clicks and all of that. And it was just, in in microcosm, it, it's the reason why this tournament is is so so all powerful. Yeah, on, on Archer as well. He's clearly having a riot out there as well. You can yeah. just, just see he's properly enjoying himself. And to be honest, I feared from him a bit in this tournament because when he did that um, interview at the end of the summer. He just said, I'm absolutely knackered. And I thought, I mean, the IPL really stretches on. And I thought if you had a bad start, it could end up being quite a difficult period. But it's been the absolute opposite of that. He's been been fantastic. He's also a thing we've touched on previously when trying to work out where Archer fits in with England. He's absolutely the leader of that Rajasthan Royals attack. It's not a great attack. It all comes down to him, really. And he seems to really respond to that. Um, a little bit like he is in England's white ball side much less so in his in their test team. Uh, he clearly enjoys the responsibility. Yeah, he's also, I feel like, much more universally loved out there in, in a different way. Like, if you look at yeah. replies to anything about him on, on Twitch during the IPL, the Indian fans are all saying, Archer, best bro in the world, what a gun sort of thing. Whereas in England, like, any time, like, you, you can post a clip of Archer bowling, like, like that ball to... To, to prove you sure in the IPL and you'll get fans that are oh, shame you can't do that in test cricket and it's like what have you been watching e- echoes of Kevin Peterson in that as yeah. well because the IPL became Peterson's safe haven he, he really divided opinion amongst English cricket fans but in India they absolutely loved him and he loved them and he loved the IPL and you kind of see a little bit of that with Archer as well I think mm, yeah it was interesting I had to scrap a bit from the script but I guess I'm now going to include it anyway the, the, the Archer before yesterday had bowled the eight fastest balls in the tournament and then Nokia went and bowled the six fastest balls in the tournament all in that in that one go and I know you're, you're a, a fan of his Joe and he's not someone you'd have pegged before this one as being kind of like an IPL superstar is he really no I mean he bowled brilliantly on uh, England's tour of South Africa god that was just this year wasn't it yeah. that seems a long time ago now uh, the thing with Nokia he looks 
he's literally bowling better every time I see him, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite a, a, an amazing thing for a, for a fast bowler to be doing. And he's bowling quicker than I've ever seen him. Um, I think South, uh, South Africa must be uh, very grateful that the Colpack ruling has has been cancelled because otherwise I think he would have been getting a call from Hampshire uh, and I would have had a difficult decision to make. Uh, so it's great that we're going to see him in international cricket, fingers crossed, for a long time as well. And it's exactly what South Africa need. Watching him and Rabada with a new ball for Delhi Capitals uh, has been absolutely unmissable action so far. And, and he bowled the Spelly Bowl yesterday. Uh, they were saying maybe the quickest in IPL history. Right. And they were trying to scrabble around to try and find the stats for it. But 156 kilometres that, per hour. Is that about 97 miles an hour? No, that's more than that, no, isn't I it? Think, I think 97, yeah. Oh, is it 97? Yeah. I thought it was even more than that. I think I think about that. And the, the fastest since Sean Tate in 2011, the fastest ball, I think. Okay. So, yeah. so Tate did actually bowl, bowl one quicker. Just, yeah, but, but pro- possibly not across a whole spell like Norky did. Because that was the thing. It was, it was every ball as well. And that, that was the thing. And that, also with Tate, I always found it a bit funny with Tate. Because he, he had his good days, but not that many he always went for a lot of runs whereas Norkia has got one of the best economy rates of fast bowlers at the IPL and is also one of the most threatening he hits his Yorkers time after time meanwhile uh, if he does miss his length by by an inch then Butler just pops him over yeah. over mid on and then reverse not reverse ramps conventionally ramps if that's not an oxymoron twice twice in two balls and then gets cleaned up I he mean it was it was first ball that same over over long on as well hadn't it it was yeah. an ama- amazing over to watch that yeah ridiculous uh, level of cricket really being played at that point um, but again we saw it uh, that the team chasing which is historically the team that tends to come out best in 20 over cricket historically they are coming up short time after time in, in, in uh, T20 cricket in, in this particular IPL and the pitches are getting slower and lower and a bit more turgid, but also teams are just... There's more smarts now, I think, attached to 20-over cricket. It's a more scientific game. Uh, it's a more process-driven game. Captains and coaches identify who needs to bowl when, almost to the letter. And you're seeing that teams are able to defend totals in this particular tournament more than we've seen in any tournament beforehand. Uh, what, what's the stat, Ben? Like 22 of 22. 28 completed games have been won by the team batting first, mm-hmm. which is crazy, really, because it bucks the trend of, of T20 cricket historically. I think the matchup thing is really interesting because teams in the past have talked about sort of targeting a bowler looking for that one big over, and that's just, it's kind of not materialised often. So you see the run rate of 10 and over becomes 11 and over becomes 12 and over, and they just don't get that chance to get that 18, 21 over to catch up, which is, a, which is really interesting to see. Uh, we've talked about, obviously, a couple of bowlers we've had really good IPL so far uh Chris Jordan has not had that he's he's played three games he's yet to take a wicket and he's conceded uh over 12 and over so far uh Crick versus Ben Jones wrote a really interesting piece for wisdom.com a couple of weeks back now saying that he performs really really well for England and he bowls lots of Yorkers so he sort of fits the general profile of a, a world-class death bowler but in general if you look at his stats compared to uh, some of England's options, like Tamar Mills and Harry Gurney in some of these 20, T20 leagues and some other sort of high-class death bowlers, he's perhaps slightly overvalued. But the question I have for, for you, Joe, is a, a more general one, which is, uh, is it possible for... Because we, we discussed with Sam Carr and he's maybe played himself into the England team uh, in the IPL. I think he has, yeah. Is, is it possible for a player to play themselves out of the England team in the IPL with how important these are becoming for sort of in selectors' thoughts and that sort of thing? Um, I think it... It depends on quite how how badly you go, and Jordan has had a has a has a tough time. Morgan really really trusts Jordan though, and Jordan's not really let England down in in T Twenty international cricket. Uh, he's Morgan's go to man at the death. Um, I saw a thing on 
Twitter, I can't remember who it was, um, but someone was tweeting about the best death bowlers in the world. Um, and Morgan chipped in with, what, no Chris Jordan, which is kind of unlike Morgan, doesn't really get involved in Twitter all that much. So he, he really, really rates Chris Jordan as a bowler. So I, I think... I think, in short, I think probably not in the case of Chris Jordan. I think that come England's first T20 international, Jordan will still be there. The question is whether he can reverse his IPL form and suddenly start bowling brilliantly again for England, which is what he's done in the past. But it's a tough thing to keep asking him to do. Um, England's fast bowling options as well, they're okay, There's not, but there's not people banging down the door in quite the same way as, as there is with batsmen. So Jordan has that counting in his favour as well. Yeah, and I suppose there are a lot of players and bowlers who bowl better under Owen Morgan than anyone else and there's you can't rule out that that is the thing with Jordan that he, he needs the right captain Owen Morgan amazing fielder and a very useful batsman as well mm. Owen Morgan bats better run, under Owen Morgan yeah true he? yeah he's, he's not he's not set the thing alight uh just yet anyway also and Tom Banton made his his debut he did. didn't he struggled a bit I thought up top yeah seven from from 10 or 11, I think. And as he did in the PSL as well, didn't have a great PSL. So. Tough yeah. coming in cold as well, when the tournament's up and running very much into its rhythm and you've not held a bat yet. I think that's that's a tough ask for a young player. Yeah, massively. We saw it with Rahane as well, obviously different ends of the career scale, but to come in, as you say, to come in and face new balls as well and to be expected just to clear your front leg and, and get it going, it's just unrealistic, really. And we've seen it with Stokes as well, who's, you know, personal issues with his family and so on, and then quarantined isolated for a time only just getting back into it and and he made a 40 odd in the game against Delhi before chipping one to long on and he's you can see he's just feeling his way and this is the nature of the game it's it's not it's a misnomer to think that it's a natural game clear the front leg and 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 hit hit from the top of the swing the game doesn't really work like that Uh, and you're seeing it you're seeing top players struggling for form You're, you're seeing players come through uh, in their own time, Steve Smith is struggling. Coley struggled initially, um, although he's starting to starting to play. Uh, it's just been a fascinating tournament. Admittedly, it benefits from there not being any other cricket going on at the moment, but and it slips well into the English lifestyle of being being on at three o'clock in the afternoon. But considering what we've we've come up against the last six months, crickets, uh, this has been a real kind of celebration of the game. I feel. I absolutely agree, and I'm enjoying it much more this year than I ever have done. I do have a gripe, though, and it's related to MS Dhoni, which I realise is putting my head above the parapet. Don't do that, Joe. You're fine. You've you've got a lovely little career going on. (laughs) But I do find it frustrating, and I think the commentary is much better than it used to be in general. But, yeah, a bugbear of mine is that when Dhoni is not playing well, it's as though that just can't be even talked about, Mm -hmm. even suggested. There was one run chase against Sunrisers, I think it was, and I ended up, what I wrote this down, ended up 47 not out of 36 balls and a game is his side lost. On the scorecard, it looks fine, but but they lost it in those middle overs where he just decided to block out Rashid Khan, then tried to play more expansively and just couldn't. And, you know, it happens to all players. That's not a... Tony shouldn't be kind of pilloried for that, but it does need to be mentioned that he is batting poorly when he is batting poorly because it happens with other young Indian players. It happens with overseas players. They will get mentioned. But there does seem to be some sort of ruling among the commentary team that it's you just don't go there and then when you see when he ran onto the pitch last year to remonstrate with an umpire and then very recently he seems to basically tell Paul Rifle not to give a wide and Paul Rifle just went along with it mm. it's frustrating that this global tournament still seems to be enthralled to one man in the way that it is I'd just like to say it's been a pleasure working with you Joe for the last <laughs> few years 
and I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavours. But the Ch- Chennai have had a, a bizarre tournament because they're, they're looking unlikely to make the playoffs, which would be the first time that they've ever missed out. Like on, a creaking on team. Yeah, but but what's also just so odd is, as you say, that Dhoni has often ended up with good scores and they've often made games look closer than they have. Hmm. And someone pointed out, I think, that after games have become mathematically impossible, they've scored at about 15 runs and over. That just <laughs> right. They're the kings at managing net run rate, but that's uh, obviously you can't you can't win a tournament on net run that, rate. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me from what I've seen. That that fits, and especially the, my, my main frustration with that innings I referred to of Donies was that Sam Curran was waiting to come in to bat. Now they've mm. put him up the order subsequently, and he's he's opening the batting. Got thirty off twenty balls or so, mm-hmm. didn't he? Uh, it's great to see Sam Curran now opening the batting, opening the bowling for an IPL side. <laughs> I mean, it like got... an under elevens game. <laughs> yeah. That that is the one thing with Dhoni being so all important. And you, you imagine that even if the end of his career is like you know coming in the next couple of years at least in the IPL, that he would move into some sort of management role within CSK. He seems to really really rate Sam Curran, so he could have sort of a a pretty permanent sort of paycheck. Going you think on he there. just yeah comes back year after year and becomes well? I mean, I'm sure he'd be up for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, who else have have you enjoyed watching so far then, Phil? Uh, I've I've enjoyed obviously you look out for the English boys, it's pathetic and parochial, but you do. Um, so Rajasthan's my team, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, Samson is a natural uh, who, if you feel like he's on the edges, on the periphery of, of proper Indian selection. Uh, but he, he hits the ball as purely and cleanly as any any player out there. On, on the other end of the scale, I, I'm fascinated by watching Shubman Gill, who opens the batting for Kolkata. And he is a dreamboat, willowy batsman an ethereal kind of player in the vvs kind of mold and you and you can see him wrestling with himself he 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 strikes at 100 and tick under 120 he's made he's made a couple of 50s he stroked a beautiful 70 odd not out um at one point to win a game but you can see how he is confronting the 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 kind of the, the confusions of of what's required for him in the modern game, because this is a boy who could have been transported into the fifties or the seventies or the eighties and, and fitted in perfectly as an old world batsman. This is a lad who, who sets up in the classical in inverted commas, classical way. Uh, and he's up there and this is probably where he has to bat. It does make sense that he has to bat there, but he's wrestling with himself. If somebody bowls him a good ball on off stump, then he drops his hands on it respectfully as VVS would, as Kane Williamson does. And you can see you can see him at kind of at odds with himself, you know, in the vul- in the vulgar chaos of the IPL when he really just wants to go and make ten thousand test runs. And I hope that the possible limitations of attitude that he can't shake in T twenty cricket doesn't affect his chances in the longer form, which is probably a broader question about cricket and especially about Indian cricket. Uh, so, so my heart goes out to Shubman whenever I watch him. He'll probably go out and strum 120 tomorrow morning in, in about 40 balls. Uh, and one other for you, before you throw it over to Joe, uh, Dev De Padikal. Yes. Mm. He's my hipster's choice. I, I saw him get 30-odd uh, three or four days ago, and he played a shot through mid-wicket. Did you see it, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot through mid-wicket, stood up tall. Can't remember who it was against. Uh, and it's one of the most ridiculously cheeky, audacious flicks 
that I've ever seen with the hands, the Dan Lawrence style hands, where he, you kind of go back on yourself and you whirl it around. And then he then he climbed into a into a cover drive, a sort of Ganguly esque cover drive. Uh, but that's 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 ten a penny. That shot you'd expect a lefty in this kind of level of cricket to be able to play that shot. But the flick beforehand. I, I dropped my laptop. I was stunned by what I saw. Uh, he's opening for, for Bangalore. If he's opening for Kohli's team, then they clearly fancy him. He's 20-year-old. I had a look at his record. His first-class record is getting there, but his list A record, he averages 50-something. He averages 50-odd in T20 cricket as well. He's 20-odd years old. You'd have probably seen him in an under-19s thing, Ben, somewhere down the line. No, I don't I don't think he's played under-19s. Okay. I think interesting. He's, uh, I think he's just... He's, so, well, so, it's and, a tough and, team to get into, their under-19s team. <laughs> yeah, right? true, like, true. Even, true. I mean, true. the batting talent they've got is ridiculous and you're, and you're starting to see it replicated in the bowling now as well a lot of good young pace bowlers at the IPL yeah so he's just turned 20 he made 350s and a couple of blobs so far uh, but he's he's a dream boat of a lefty uh, so I've enjoyed watching him too yeah Joe have you got any, any others to, to turn away um, Norkia was the one that jumped out actually but... yawned into that Joe <laughs> No, it was a, con- it was a, c- a considered yawn. Yeah. Um, I love watching Shreya Sire as well, uh, mm. and he's got a great team going. Delhi Capitals, top of the league as as we as we speak. Uh, he's one of those beautiful players who just looks like he's playing proper shots, and then you look at his strike rate, and it's kind of up there, 150, 160. Um, he's played a decent amount of 50-over cricket for India, hasn't he? But I think he... I mean, the thing is, we're talking about so many batsmen here. They can't, all, they can't pick all of them, but I think he's going to be... Right in there for the next few years now, I think and, that, and possibly a long-term captaincy successor potentially because he's he captains that Delhi side brilliantly, and he's, yeah. he's he's got he's got the record in the say cricket sort of demand a first first choice place as well, so that that might well be the way that India are headed. There's but, a certainly a, a kind of a calmness around him. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite not not like India's current captain, you might say, but that suggests that he's he's got that in him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've got three things to pick out from the IPL that I've liked. Uh, Steve Smith can't sing. Jimmy all saw that. Even oh, even gosh. Ashley Giles sort of uh, piled in saying that bye bye will get to everyone eventually. And when when the, the king of Spain is uh, is making fun of you singing, singing I couldn't actually watch the whole video. I got about four seconds in and then had to stop. Yeah, uh, I, I, I felt I felt sorry for him. Obviously, I was watching on the periphery. I don't really give a toss one way or the other what's happening on social media. However, you know, it was obviously crap. It was broadly awkward, but. What it does mean is that people aren't going to do this anymore. You know, more and more cricketers, we, we're desperate to see a little bit of of personality, desperate to know what's really going on behind closed doors, what's happening in their in their other lives. And then you you pop that on on Twitter, you know, a valiant effort. Why is he putting on an American accent? It's an American song. Well, Elton John did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't stand Elton John, but he did it. <laughs> Loads of them did it. All right, no, you're right. He's put himself out there, and we shouldn't take the piss, Ben. Yaz would never have done that. That's <laughs> disgraceful. Yeah, and and, and actually, it's, it's nice that he to know he has a, a hobby that's not either batting, netting, or shadow exactly. batting. He as needs, well, he yeah. needs these things in his life. It yeah. can't all be about batting. See, I mean, Yaz has gone foraging, or whatever you said. He, he's done. <laughs> yeah, the punters need to know about this stuff. They need they need rounded heroes with which to get their teeth into. Yeah, that's true. So, so, so I'm all for it. I'm all for Big Steve uh, throwing it out there. And considering how his batting improved from the start of his his career he might well be topping the charts in a few years time you, you, you never know do you exactly yeah the, the, so the other two things are Rahul Tuatio is still uh it's just quickly becoming everyone's favorite cricketer did another ridiculous chase yeah is uh it's like yeah that's incredible and N- Nicholas Poran played a, a freak of an innings uh, against he hits it a long somewhere. way Poran well, for, for not that big a lad it's, 
interesting that you say that exactly because before this inning, so it's 77 off 37 against Sunrisers, a chase of 200, they got nowhere close. But while he was going, you kind of thought, actually, two overs, he could do something really special here. Uh, but before that game, there had been two 100-meter-plus sixes hit in the entire tournament. He then hit three 100-meter-plus sixes in three balls. Bloody hell. Yeah, it was just crazy. Each one kind of further than the last. It was Against amazing. a quick, presumably, using a bit of pace. Yeah, yeah. And then and in the big stadium and into the sort of the, the, the very top tier, like 10 rows back in that tier is amazing. Yeah. Just on poor, um, we interviewed Michael Holding, or John Stern interviews Michael Holding in our upcoming issue. Brilliantly. Uh, and he says poor and should be in that test side, which is quite a thing for Holding to say because Poran hasn't played a first-class game since 2014. Mm. And Holding uh, famously doesn't think much of T20, but he still thinks he's seen enough of Poran. I suppose more on his World Cup exploits is in 50-over cricket. He thinks there's a test cricketer in there uh, and that he should just get thrown in even without any first-class cricket behind him. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. So for, that's probably enough on the IPL for the moment. Now we're going to talk about... Uh, Australia women who have now won 21 ODIs in a row, which is a, a joint world record. Uh, and that's a run that also includes uh, two T20 World Cup triumphs, although they're not, they're not quite as all-powerful in that format. They, they do lose the, the odd game there. But, um, Joe, are, are they the greatest cricket team there's ever been? <laughs> <laughs> Big question. I mean, they're getting there, aren't they? They're, not, they're obviously not the 50-over World Cup holders. Mm. Uh, England still have that. Um, so no, in that <laughs> in that sense, I would say. Um, but certainly, it, it does increasingly feel like whilst women's cricket in general has got much stronger, Australia have got stronger to such an extent that they are pulling clear of everyone else. And I, I kind of include England in that, unfortunately. That's not to say England can't catch them up again. This is how things go. But at the moment, Australia are well clear. And I think we saw that as the T20 World Cup progressed as well, they had a bit of a kind of shaky start, but then they just looked so much better than everyone else. And you look at New Zealand, they're kind of a shadow of them former selves, really. West Indies as well. West Indies as well. I mean, South Africa have, have emerged, but they've, they've improved rapidly, but still nowhere near enough to catch Australia, who have improved even more rapidly in, in that mm. same time period. Um, it'd be interesting. I mean, Australia might get to a period where they start to become a bit complacent just because they win so easily uh, and and then that will become a challenge for them to keep them kind of keep themselves going um but yeah if they if they win the 50 over, 50 over world cup uh, then you'd say they've got to be right up there that's the, the 2022 i think will have a, a women's ashes uh, and two world cups a t20 and a 50 over world cup for for, for australian women so if, if they end up and cruising through that games as well yeah, I that's think. Really commonwealth so games, they could yeah. win the lot if they win the lot then ask me again and i might say yes yeah okay i'll, I'll set a reminder for two years time it's got very 1994-5 winter vibes to me. Um, Australia A beating the full England team mm-hmm. uh, with obviously the senior Australia side, you know, just going through the motions and, and being dominant. Uh, obviously, we, we have... It's an, on, it's an ongoing issue and, it's, and it's, a, it's a burgeoning issue that I think England obviously are the team to catch them or to at least hold on to their coattails. And I think we will see in the England side... Uh, a strong few years. I think the the pool of players is is bigger than it has been before. Uh, they've gone through a bit of a transitional period, I think, over the last year or so. Uh, but we do run the risk of, of Australia running so far away that the, that the competition becomes almost null and void, and that's that's a, a fear that the English set up are quite uh, open about. Mm-hmm. You know, and they talk about it and you have to because it's it's unavoidable, really. I think what happened last summer, as in the summer 2019, when the world was nice, 
I think that really did shake the, the English setup quite quite significantly. Um, but there's no reason necessarily to think that Australia will always be as dominant as this. I mean, it's not purely structural. There, are, there's also a, a, a time and a place for a handful of all-time great cricketers to be to be kind of coinciding together in that in that particular side and and yeah Meg Lanning Mark II it's not necessarily a given that a Meg Lanning Mark II or at least Perry Mark II is just waiting there 18 19 year old and is going to go and dominate just as much as they are so this is sport this is the nature of it uh, but at the moment they are rewriting the rules almost on a weekly basis of women's cricket and what's what what the barriers and the boundaries are of the thing. Yeah, obviously England's professionalisation is is the thing that we hope will help them catch up. And I think it is also worth remembering that that 2019 Ashes, like England did obviously lose like what, well, six of the first, is that right? No, five of the first six games and then drew the test when they got didn't get close. But that ODI Should have won the first game. That's the thing. Should have won the first the, game. The second game they kind of, they were in with a chance and they kind of came back with a, with a spell with the ball. They're, 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 I think they're, if you'd back them to win a game in a five match series, I think, although Australia are clearly the, the, the better side. I don't know if England are are that far away and, and are improving as well. So I think that just sets up, it's just such a shame again that that World Cup next February isn't happening because it's it's what it's kind of been building towards and it just kind of feels like it's just sort of a, in stasis at the moment, I guess, the yeah. women's calendar because there's not that thing to look forward to in the near future, unfortunately. Um, so now to, to Zach Crawley. Uh, the new issue of Wisdom Cricket Monthly out next week has a cover feature on the 12 best young batsmen in the country and an interview with Crawley, who I guess you'd say is, is the best young batsman in the country, is at the heart of it. Well, Ollie Pope might have something to say about that, but I think you could say those those two certainly are. Yeah, we wanted to Matt speak. Walker would say so. What a quote that was. <laughs> Matt Walker would, yeah. I'll, I'll, actually, I wrote that down. I'll, I'll come on to that. But just the, the kind of formulation of the feature, we wanted to speak to Zach Crawley. Uh, obviously, England's kind of breakthrough player of the summer. Um, but then we wanted to broaden, a bit, broaden it out a bit and, and look at some of the names that people we're familiar with who are kind of waiting for their chance, like Dan Lawrence, but a few more from county cricket who people, who casual fans might not have heard of uh, and look really in-depth at their games, speak to coaches about them, speak to teammates about them um, and kind of, yeah, throw their hat in the ring to be England internationals in the next in the next few years. Uh, so yeah, I spoke to Crawley, uh, who unsurprisingly didn't really want the summer to end whilst all of us are kind of just wishing T20 would die and disappear. Uh, Crawley will look back on this summer rather differently to, to most of us. Uh, and he's really, he's an interesting bloke to talk to. Um, very quietly confident and very much assured. But as yeah, as Phil says, I spoke to Matt Walker, Kent's head coach, um, about him. And Matt Walker is quite funny, especially when you're speaking to coaches about young players, they often want to play play the player down a little bit for understandable reasons. They don't want to hype them up too much. And Matt Walker kind of wants to do that, but just can't help himself. So when he spoke to Taha last year, uh, when Crawley had just been called up for his first England tour, uh, Walker tipped him as a future England captain, which <laughs> which I thought was great. Uh, and, and when he's speaking to me, I, I was asking about whether this innings might potentially have come too early for Crawley in some ways. How, how, how do you live up to that? Um, and he just said, uh, and this is a quote, is, in my mind, it's what he's made to do. That's what he's on this earth to do, to be the best player for England and to score more runs than anyone scored. I suspect that's his mindset, not that he would say it because he's too modest and humble, but the ambition and burning desire is there. It's there to be seen in how hard he works and his quiet confidence day in, day out in everything he does. Uh, and Walker goes on to tell me that he sees similarities between 
Cook, Alistair Cook and Crawley. Uh, Cook, who he played with at Essex and then was batting coach there when, mm. when Cook was playing some county cricket when he could. Uh, and obviously not in terms of batting style, but just in terms of that kind of absolute, quite kind of quiet character, but so, so driven um, and just knows their game really well. And when they encounter a flaw, they work it out really, really quickly. Um, so I think I think we're all excited about Zach Crawley anyway. Uh, and after speaking to Walker, I think I was even more excited, it's fair to say. Yeah. Are you still having him in county cricket for another couple of years so he can learn his <laughs> trade? Well, uh, oh, that was a low blow, sorry. We'll, we'll get that. to that in a second. We'll but, but, but first of all, just here's a clip from, from that Crawley interview just to give you a taste. Um, I think it's very surprising to a lot of people that, that you can score 267 against a high-quality Pakistan attack in, in test cricket, but uh, average in the low 30s in county cricket. But do you feel this is just a kind of natural progression in your career, or is it possible that some batsmen are actually better suited to, to test cricket, even though there's a step up in quality? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I feel like you're de- there's definitely um, it's definitely a different style of cricket, um, test cricket, where um, I think it's much more of a back foot game, um, where county cricket is much more of a front foot game. But you know, I do feel like I've improved in the last year, so that, I think it is a, um, a definitely a little bit of a natural progression. And also that being quite tall, I think um, I think my game might actually. Obviously, I wouldn't say it's suited to test cricket because I'm not sure anyone's suited to test cricket. You know, it's very hard, but mm-hmm. it's um, you know, it, it might be not such a big step up for me, um, in, in that sense because it, it might, maybe it might suit my game a bit more. But that's just um, that's just a theory. I think it's more the fact that it's actually just a natural progression, and mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've actually just improved over the last year. I think uh, you've shown already that you've obviously got the, the game for for one day cricket, white ball cricket as well. Um, presumably you've, you've got ambitions of, of breaking into England's white ball sides whenever you get the opportunity to do so yeah no I'd love to play cricket, uh, white ball cricket for England obviously it's uh, you know not going to be easy that's one of the best um, well, probably the best white ball side in the world at the moment so um, you know I'm realistic about the fact that you know there's some great players in there I'm going to need to score a lot more runs before I, I can break into that side but um you know, it's definitely an ambition of mine. It's an interesting thing, though, isn't it, for guys like yourself and Ollie Pope, when you break into the England test sides, it does become difficult to have white ball opportunities, even in county cricket. You've got a bit this summer with Kent, but um, and therefore it's quite hard to, to stake your claim for those positions in international cricket. Yeah, I suppose so. With um, if all things being well, with T20 and, and the hundred, I, you know, I, I might never play fifty over cricket again, count at list A wise. So, um, yeah. you know, um, it, it's strange to think of it like that because it's actually such a great format. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully, um, you know, if you can state your claim in, in T20 stuff and then uh, have a mixture of test stuff, then maybe they can see that you can blend the two together. But other than that, you're right; it's going to be it will be difficult, but. You know, I'll just um, try and keep working on those aspects of my game and if I score enough runs where they feel I'm picked then hopefully I'll be ready. Um, and you talk about time on your phone. I notice you're, you're not on Twitter, which is uh, pretty revolutionary itself in terms of the, the current England team. Um, is that, do you just not need the hassle? Have you got any interest in it at all? No, no interest at all, really. I mean, I don't, um, I don't particularly like social media. I don't really like what it does to people. So um, I, uh, I try and stay away from it. And um, you know, I, I think I think that will be the case for uh, for a little while. Yeah, you know, things might change and it might become, um, you know, uh, you know, a place that's 
you know, a bit more beneficial. But yeah. at the moment, I feel like it's um, it can only have negatives really on, on my career, so I'm going to try and stay away from it. And is that true of, of the media in general? Do you, do you read much about, well, English cricket or, or your game or how you've gone? Yeah, no, I enjoy reading about the media and, 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 and cricket. I know I still try to stay in touch with the game. It's more... Um, uh, the other stuff. The other stuff, yeah, you know, and um, you know, and, and people are entitled to their opinions, but I'm not sure that um, they're necessarily um, good for me to see about my own game, whether they're positive or negative. They can, you know, it might sway the way I think about the game. I prefer to stay in my own bubble with it, really. As as Phil just alluded to, obviously I've been yeah, that was nasty. Sorry, I've been vocal in the past about Crawley being picked before he was ready and was proven catastrophically wrong. I'm actually I'm still getting stick on Twitter for it, even Good. last night. So I'm sorry about really? that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad to keep peddling this one then. Yeah, and 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 but it, it, it's interesting because Michael Vaughan has been outspoken as a surprise, but uh, about this idea of players becoming entrenched in the counter system, I think was the phrase he used, and his thing that you should kind of pick them before it they've earned it in a way if you've got a promising young player uh do you, do you think that that school of thought holds water because it kind of applies actually to a couple of the others that we've spoken like sanju samson is one who you think there's international class there but he hasn't he hasn't yet got that run and he's uh sort of inconsistent and poor and as well as uh has not played uh first class cricket since 14 but people are saying they get they should get a go do you, do you think that is 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 that how we should view it that if you've got if, if they're good enough pick them as soon as you can essentially i think it's a really good question um, I think th- th- there are differences with, with batsmen and quicks. Mm-hmm. And there's differences between quicks and spinners. Players traditionally, or rather within their disciplines, they, they develop at slightly different times. Uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to throw in a 21-year-old spinner into test cricket, as we've seen. Uh, you can also throw in a fast bowler quite quickly. and uh, no, no cricketer develops quicker than a tearaway quick you can be as I've said before you can be nothing on a Monday morning you can you can be something on a Monday afternoon if you're a quick bowler and the the name flies like wildfire through throughout cricket uh with batsmen it's interesting there are different schools of thought on this uh Ricky Clark Ricky Clark wow Ricky Ponting He'll like that. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Clark just missed out R- on our R- best Ricky, young batsman. Ricky, list. <laughs> Ricky Ponting was a test player at 2021. 20, he could have been a test player at 17, 18, from what they say about how good he was under Rod Marsh and so on at the academy. But he, he has since said that he believes that a test batsman's best years are in their very early 20s. And Michael Clark said something very similar as well. That the, the hunger, the the sharpness physically, the the eye, the hand-eye coordination, uh, that from a physical perspective, that is the best time to be a batsman. Now, you have to learn the, learn how to score runs as well, obviously, and, and that's where the, old, the old-fashioned approach of you, you earn your crust, you do your business over a series of, of years, and then you get your go. That's that's still possibly the prevailing attitude, but I think it is it is evolving, changing, and 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 England used to the English system used to prefer players who are in their mid to late twenties and that they've got this body of work behind them. But increasingly, you look at it, you see what happened with Ollie Pope, you saw what happened with Crawley. I think in a more kind of stratified and diversified game now, I think there is value in identifying a red ball cricketer and allowing them to learn on the job. I think there is value in that. You have to pick the right ones. That's the, that's the issue. Uh, 
character and personality has got to be key here as well, right? It's got there's got to be a maturity not only about their game but about them as a person. Yep. Uh, and they've obviously seen that in Crawley. It's yep. what everyone talks about. Um, who who plays with him or has coached him? That he's just got that kind of aura of confidence yep. that suggests he's ready. Uh, Ollie, Ollie Pope, I guess, similar, and perhaps in a slightly different way. But Pope's an interesting case because they threw him in really early. The runs were there, but he hadn't he'd barely played any games. Uh, struggled a little bit, although such a small sample size, it's, it's tricky to say that. But he said himself he he struggled a little bit. He wanted to feel bat and ball a bit too much. Went back to county cricket improved his game and has come back looking like a more complete player now maybe it just would have worked for him first time round if he'd got the chance but there is that idea as well I think some people think well if you if you pick them and drop them then they're ruined well that doesn't that doesn't have to be the case that I think that comes down to a player's personality and whether they can where they can bounce back and post it brilliantly there is another added element an added complication to this equation that in crowded calendars with young players wanting to play as much white ball cricket as they can do you have enough red ball games in in amongst the odd test match appearance to justify being thrown in early? Mm. So someone like Ollie Pope, uh, you'd want him to, and he's a, he's a slight exception because he's frus- famously frustrated that he doesn't play very much white ball cricket. But in a way, you could have you can try him out in, at test level because you know that he's going to be playing red ball cricket for Surrey the following week. But with a lot of cricketers coming through, their priorities are slightly different now, and so it becomes ever more confused um there is a good example of the danger of letting a cricketer uh stew in county cricket that's harsh isn't it i don't mean that but you you can become almost indoctrinated into county cricket and the treadmill can take its toll and one of one of the people in our in our 12 12 young batsmen uh is joe clark now joe clark is 24 year old now um started at worcester moved to Knotts for the start of the 2018 season, 2019 season. Uh, it pulled up a lot of trees for Worcester beforehand, Joe, and I think he, he made 600s in 2016 in his first full season. We were going through this before the show, mm. weren't we? He He's played England under 19s. He's played a lot of England Lions stuff, yet to get the nod. Uh, and there's been some other stuff, as we know, that's uh, halted his progression. Uh, but he's the kind of cricketer that you 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 slightly fear for because he's a very ambitious young player. There was always a sort of a preordained sense that he was going to crack it, that he was at England's next next cab, and so on and so on. Not happened yet. Twenty four time rushes on. Good young players come through. You know when he was beginning, Zach Crawley was still a teenager, and and this is this is the nature of the beast. You know Joe Joe Clark at nineteen twenty was a stick on to play for England. Suddenly he's 24, he's had one or two setbacks and one or two mistakes along the way. Uh, suddenly you're looking at him and you're wondering if, if the, those, like the James Hildreth size 12s he might be slipping into. And, and I might be completely wrong on Clark and he might tear it up from the start of next year and he's, be, he's right back in the conversation. But, but time does rush on. Well, to throw in another name then, Dan Lawrence, who also features in our list. 20, I fear for him. 23, but he debuted at 17. He's played 74 first-class games. Mm-hmm. Now, if England think he's a test player, and obviously whether there's a spot available is a difficulty, but they've got to give him a game soon because otherwise we, we could get to the situation that Vaughan's describing of, of Lawrence becoming entrenched in county cricket and he, he's not not being challenged is not the right way, but he he needs to... 
there's obviously something about test cricket that really brings a player through when they get to it and we've seen that with Pope and we've seen that with Crawley how quickly they've improved now Lawrence needs to have that opportunity soon otherwise he might kind of tread water for too long but, but then I don't disagree with any of that but then there's the flip side and people will say well look at Rory Burns look at Dominic Sibley players who've cut their teeth at county cricket players who wouldn't have stood a chance of making test match runs when they were 21, 22 mm. uh, but have had to develop their games overcome not overcome but fine-tune the good parts of their game, uh, get to know their limitations. Um, they are openers, and that's a specific discipline, I suppose. Uh, but th- there are different ways to skin a cat, um, and there are different different truths, I think, to this particular point. Uh, but yeah, there are, there is a, a lingering concern, certainly around certain stroke makers. Mm-hmm. They are harder to define than overall technicians, I think. Uh, and... The Clark story is an interesting one. Clark's played at New Road, which is a tough place to bat. He played at Trent Bridge, where it swings around increasingly. Um, I spoke to Peter Moores about it, and he said, look, there are too many blobs in there. There are too many single-figure scores at the moment. But when he gets in, he really gets in. And he's made 23 professional hundreds, 17 of which are... Sorry, 21 professional hundreds, 17 first-class hundreds by the age of 24. And yet he averages under 40. There's, there's your story about young batsmen in England. And so it's hard. It's hard to identify, really, because you can look at a scorecard and see, oh, he's got 0, 4, 6, and 2. Mm, all right, well, we'll write him off. But God knows what's happening out there. You know, on, on green ones, result pitches, teams looking for results, desperate to stay up or get promoted. Uh, and it doesn't always tell the full story. Clark made the point to me, and he mentioned international cricket five times in the interview I did with him in the magazine, and he, and he made the point, international cricket, the pitches are better, the preparation is better, uh, and he feels that his game is, is there for it. And it echoes the Crawley thing. Well, this is, this is it, and we've touched on it in previous podcasts, whether a player can be more suited to test cricket than county cricket, even though the quality is clearly higher. And I put that question to Matt Walker and he said, like, absolutely, I think that can be the case. If you think, yeah, the pitches are better, ball comes on quicker. It, and actually, Crawley's back back foot game is well suited to test cricket. Yeah, and, and I put that to Crawley himself as well. And understandably, very cautiously, he said, yeah, I can I can see something in that, that, that he can see that in some ways his game might be more suited to, to test cricket, whilst also saying that actually the reason he was made able to get such a big score against Pakistan is because his game has improved so quickly being in and around that England setup. Yeah, I think the the thing for me that's most interesting is just realizing how big a part sort of fortune and circumstance actually plays in a in a well in, in any sportsman's career but I think especially cricket where you know you can just get a, a good ball early on and then all of a sudden you know you've you've made a pair on test debut sort of thing. Uh and so we and especially cuz cricket gives you such define statistics at the end of a career you'll look back at someone and think like oh they they, they underachieved or oh, they, they didn't fulfill their potential but actually someone like joe clark could very easily have played for england at this point and it brings you to the point that you know there isn't a spot open at the moment for an england batsman uh and he very nearly made his debut in the game when Ollie pope made his debut uh mm. but didn't and has now and you know at the time we said oh well he's going to play for england sooner rather than later and he still hasn't played for england but you could just you kind of never know what, what might have happened if, if he'd been the one to to make his debut to, to come out at Lords when it was when it was swing around, but Ollie Pope made that what that 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 twenty odd and and sort of looked kind of settled and uh, it's, just, it's just fascinating to pinpoint kind of turning points in players' careers that could have 
where it could have gone so different. And, you know, just, as we, just, we've been careful to say, Joe Clark is still as one of the most exciting young batsmen in England could yet play lots of test cricket for England. But uh, if he doesn't, that might not be through any fault of his own. That might just be the way that his career happens to have unfolded. Yeah. Just, I don't want this to, to be the Joe Clark show, but I wrote about him slightly tongue in cheek that he might actually be too good. And what I meant by that is he has a strike rate of 150 something in 20 over cricket. He's made three or four list A hundreds and he's made 17 first class hundreds. He plays them all and he plays them all to a high level. But among our list, there's there's Crawley, who's making T20 hundreds and he's obviously brilliant. There's Pope, who doesn't really play white ball cricket. There's Tom Banton in it. I'm not giving away, you know, go out and buy the magazine, folks. I'm going to give you the whole list. But Tom Banton barely played a red ball game. He's in our list as well. And cricketers, young cricketers, are increasingly specialising, as we know. Someone like Clark may almost be a victim of his own versatility as a player. You end up becoming very good at that, very good at that, very good at that, but not screamingly obvious that you're you're outstanding at that. And so, yeah, he may end up being one of those cricketers where where you look at it and it's baffling that he's never got a cap, but his 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 brilliance is almost spread a little bit too too lightly or too or too widely, if you like. Mm. Stuart Broad on commentary in Nottinghamshire's quarterfinal went over Leicestershire just said, yeah, he's just one of those players who can do it on all three formats. And he seems to have no doubt that, that Clark could, could step up. Uh, when there's a spot, and we keep, I mean, we can talk about all these players, but there needs to be a spot available for, for one of them to get into. And at the moment, Lawrence is ahead of Clark, you'd say, definitely for the test team. And yet Clark's record is ahead of Lawrence's. He's made, he's made more hundreds, he averages more. Uh, and yeah, it's interesting, you know. It's fascinating. Well, that, that, that's, uh, that's all we've got on, on this week's show, apart from one thing I want to add, which is Mohamed Rizwan. Remember him from the, from the test summer? The keeper? Yeah, yeah, but he took one of the best catches you'll ever see. Oh, is this the, the cross-the-floor catch? Yeah. Ran so from mid-off to mid-on? Well, I, I think it was more, almost like extra cover right. to, to mid-on, and then went full-length diving. The, the bowler could have just, uh, it was sort of smashed up in the air, huge sky, and the bowler could have just taken about three steps back and caught it, but instead he just watched as Rizwan sprinted at 100 miles an hour, dive full-length and and caught it it was a an absolutely incredible catch you should you should go and uh, go and google that one and watch it um but that's uh that, that that's all from us uh thanks thanks very much for listening and uh as ever if you have enjoyed what you've heard please uh tell your friends and if you're feeling especially kind leave us a nice five-star review on the podcast app cheers Podcast Network.